Hello, good afternoon. Hello. Welcome to our Saturday afternoon meditation Q&A session. We're live here to talk about mindfulness, here to practice mindfulness, practice together. So close your eyes, sit back, sit up, sit, sit, stand, lie, walk, doesn't matter. Find a posture that's comfortable and conducive to the cultivation of mindfulness. Bring your mind back to the experience that's present with you, whatever it might be, whether it's movement of the body or Feelings of pain, pleasure, calm, whether it's thoughts about the past or future, emotions, liking, disliking, whether it's experiences in the senses, seeing, hearing, all of these are aspects of what's real. Take them as an object and try and see them clearly. Cultivate the state of mind that, or the perspective of mind that sees things just as experiences. Not good, not bad, not me, not mine. Simply experiences that arise and cease. And if you have questions, we're here to answer your questions, so... Take a break momentarily from your practice and post a question in the chat. The chat box is not for chatting, not for talking or discussing, it's for asking questions. If you have questions, be mindful and articulate as best you can. And post the question. Shraddha is here to ask them, and I'm here to answer them. We'll post them on screen if you want to read them. But try your best to focus your attention on your own experience. Keep your eyes closed unless... Uh, keep your eyes closed whenever you can. and Just continue to bring your mind to the present moment. There aren't any questions. Sometimes it seems slow. People don't have any questions. And they'll just sit and practice together. If you're new to what we do here, you're encouraged to consider reading the book that we have on how to meditate. There should be a link in the description of this video. Or you can go to sirimangalo.org and download a copy of that. It's just a short booklet, an instructional manual on how we practice meditation. If you get started on that, you might get some answers 
about how to meditate in our tradition. If you're really interested in cultivating meditation, as many of you know and many of you may have already done, you can enroll to practice with our at-home meditation course. And you practice at, at your own pace at home, as long as you do at least an hour a day, walk half walking, half sitting. And we meet once a week and we go through a meditation course. We meet uh, using video, uh, using voice call. One on one. Once a week. Just to make sure you're on track and to give you some, give you an opportunity to ask questions directly and to give you a new exercise every week. ask for for the questions to try and be related to actual practice of mindfulness so if you haven't read the booklet it might be important to read it first to understand what sort of questions we're uh, aiming for and uh, what you should think about when asking questions is do I need an answer f to this question in order to progress on the pr path of mindfulness? Because that's the criteria we're looking for when we answer them. If it doesn't fulfill that criteria, criterion, then we may not even ask it or answer it. But there are some questions. If you're interested more in, sorry, just a second. If you're interested more in theory of, of Buddhism, we do have a study group every week that we just finished this morning. It's every Saturday morning, and you're welcome to join our Discord server and find out more about that. And there we do talk a little more about theory, and I answer questions, or other people are knowledgeable as well. I'm not the only one who has, inform has knowledge there. It's sort of more of a group thing. And uh, you might be interested in that if you want to learn more theory. We pick a text and we read through a piece of it every week. So the text we're looking at right now is the Majjhima Nikaya, the middle-length discourses of the Buddha. We're going through discourse by discourse. Today we just finished number 10. There's 152 of them. for a long time in the morning I sometimes find it harder to be mindful during the day I feel it's like my brain wants to go unconscious is mindfulness like a battery or a muscle no that wouldn't be mindfulness but 
meditating for a long time often engages, I might say, bad habits, habits of slothfulness, habits of torpor, because you're not yet skillful at it, perhaps. I mean, if that's the case, then it's probably, it's pretty clear you're not that skillful at it, which is not a criticism, it's just the way it is. Because once you get better at it, you'll find your mind is more light, more pliant, more flexible. So I wouldn't recommend doing long meditation once in the morning. Try and split it up throughout the day so it has a deeper impact and you're more able to be mindful rather than just uh, absorbed or over-focused, over-concentrated kind of thing where you just fix on things. Practice should be light, energetic. I mean, it's, I, I can't really judge because I'm not you and I'm not having your experience. Because on the other hand, it certainly can happen that your brain wants to go unconscious. That's just a part of life. And if that's the case, you just try and be mindful before and after it goes unconscious. Uh, and and just the fact that sometimes it's harder to be mindful I mean, it's just a part of life We have organic bodies and minds And they're unpredictable So don't worry too much about that But again, I, w I wouldn't recommend meditating a long time all at once You're much better served by splitting it up Doing something in, some in the morning, some in the evening, something like that uh, You'll find it, it helps make it more integrated with your life right it's not just an escape from life it's a part of life and then in between you're much better able to be mindful because it's more continuous it's not 24 hours or 20 some hours between each session In my language, a translation of simply liking-disliking is missing. Even in the booklet, there are odd words to use in the practice. What other synonyms would work? I'm curious. I wonder what language that is. Ricardo, is that Portuguese or Spanish? I don't know enough name. Enough, I don't know enough about names or languages to know. Um, hmm. It's surprising that language doesn't have something simple like that, but not overly. I mean, languages are different. So, what do they use in Pali? Things like aversion. I mean, liking and disliking are, are desire uh, and attachment. Enjoyment, and on the opposite side, uh, you know, well, say aversion, anger, hatred, frustration, boredom, sadness. There's a lot of different ones. You don't have to use disliking, but disliking is just the basic aversion towards something. interesting I, I, 
And if you let me know what language it is, maybe I can find someone who has some insight on what sort of words you use. The, see, the idea is very simple. It's a simple framework of opposites. One is where you're attracted to something, inclined towards it, appreciate it. The other is where it's the opposite. You're repulsed by something. You're, you're, it comes up and you want it to go. When it's there, you want it to go. When you don't have it, you don't want it to come. You, you wish for it not to come. On the other side, it's when it's there, you want it to stay. When it's not there, you want it to come. You see, they're just opposites. They're very simple, basic aspects of human experience. So, so it'd be hard to believe that any language doesn't have some word for the for those concepts. So try and get what the concepts are, and you can probably find words for yourself because they're very basic aspects of of human existence or human experience. How would I start to meditate on more complex emotions like regret and guilt? Where there is more than one emotion or feeling attached to an experience at a time? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. There really isn't technically one, more, than one exp more than one emotion at a time. Because I mean, it may not be evident in the beginning, but as you practice it should become explicit, uh, quite clear that you can't experience more than one thing at once I mean, that would just be that would be very odd to think of the idea that you could experience two things at once what would it even mean so they're not all at once so but it's hard to see because it's very quick uh, it can be very quick so it doesn't really matter pick whichever one is prominent try not to i mean it's it's better not to just use a general thing like let's say regret or guilt better to focus more on the momentary emotions find you know if you know what those are if you have a sense of what an, a complex emotion is com actually composed of focus on those things because they're what's real and pick whichever is prominent at, at any given moment and note that How do I deal with excessive daydreaming? When I'm daydreaming, should I say daydreaming or just thinking, like noting it? Either one is fine. Daydreaming can be useful, I think, because it's a bit explicit. It's a bit specific and it has a certain flavor to it. Thinking, I'd still probably prefer thinking, just because it's more precise and more basic. Distracted, maybe. While meditating, what do I do if my focus gets stuck on the words rising and falling and not when my stomach gets off? 
Try note that, noting that, knowing, knowing. If you see the words, sometimes people see them in their head. So you can say seeing, seeing. It's a more of a beginner problem as you get accustomed to this new way of approaching things. Or as you try and integrate that into ordinary ordinary thought patterns. Because we are always thinking words anyway. Those of us who have words that we use. Who have language? Anyone who has language generally has words about things. So we're just using alternate words, but in the beginning it can be a little bit overemphasized. So once that calms down, you'll find it's simply just a noting or, or a, a reacting or a interpreting in the way we interpret things anyway. But it's just a more objective interpretation, that's all. Um, Bhante, just this is just a note to the people asking questions. Mm -hmm. um, I think people are asking their questions again and again because I'm skipping, mm. skipping them. Um, but it's just that we're prioritizing the questions that are about meditation practice. Mm -hmm. And if we have time, then we'll get to the other questions. Yeah, Shraddha has a system, you see. she's. I can see it on one of my screens that she's listed many many questions but she's going for the she's very good at this now very organized and appreciate very much your help get this all set up and you don't see it but behind the scenes there's a whole system but we may not get to them and many questions we might just ignore avoid skip um, because again this isn't a session for just asking or answering anything we're trying to make it we're trying to make this a, a beneficial session for everyone. People are here to better themselves and bring themselves closer to present moment. So, of course, theory will help to do that. It's just very roundabout and and hit and miss, right? Hit or miss. Because you, you, you can't say that theory is always going to be useful. It's the application, the proper application of theory that's important. And so to be more directly and probably uh, helpful, we try and stick to the most practical aspects of dialogue and discussion, which are those that are related to practical experiences and interactions with reality. we're all trying to be mindful here and now as we sit here, as we engage in this exercise together. So again, if it's not an immediate practical question where, where the answer is really important for your immediate practice of mindfulness, we may not answer it. At the very least, we'll probably put it to the end of the the end of the queue. We're all here together to encourage and to support each other's practice and to 
support our practice, mostly. Mostly we're here for selfish reasons. We're all here to help ourselves, which is fine. Helping ourselves is a very good thing. It makes us a better person. It makes us better people and more kind and considerate and friendly towards others, more peaceful, less intrusive, less hostile, less cumbersome, burdensome, less threatening, less distracting, less harmful to others. So do what really helps yourself. Ask questions that are important and necessary. And if you don't have any of those questions, just close your eyes and listen. Close your eyes and listen, not, not just to the questions, but listen to the experiences. When you hear the sound of my voice, you can just say hearing, hearing. You can say sitting, sitting, try and close off all the distractions, music or videos or Facebook or whatever. And just be aware of the experiences. I can meditate when I'm feeling angry, but what can I do so I don't get angry in the first place? I wish I could be mindful before getting mad, but some people are just so hard to deal with. There's not really much you can do. How you not get angry in the first place is when you is by getting to the point where you understand anger well enough. To not get angry, do it. I mean, you understand it to the point where it's no longer a. It's no longer. Um, it's no longer seen as a viable option. A viable response, a proper response. The mind no longer sees it as a good idea. And so, there's nothing you can do to control that. The only way you can get to that point is by cultivating the unnecessary understanding. So that's where our practice is. It means understanding anger when it does arise, understanding the things that cause anger, understanding the results of anger, understanding everything related to it. When you Even just understanding the things we get angry about, because when you understand those things, you understand them in such a way that it doesn't seem useful or beneficial to get angry about them. It doesn't seem reasonable. They're not worth getting angry about. Nothing is, nor is anger worth it at all in the first place. One good practical solution is to try and stay away from such people. And when you are interacting with them, try and keep your interaction to the minimum, because practically that's going to be necessary in the beginning. Eventually, of course, you'll try to be more, or you will just naturally be more okay with being around such people because you'll be less reactionary. But in the beginning, avoidance can be um, a pragmatic solution for a beginner.
Mate, this question I wasn't, I didn't understand, but maybe you were. If I'm not sure what label to use, is it okay? Oh, okay. If I'm not sure what label to use, is it okay to use labels like this, this, or that, that? No. No, that's, that's far too vague, I would think. It's a bit interesting because you're, you're just reminding yourself it's just a this. It's just an experience. So it'd be the same as like saying something like experiencing, experiencing. Not the same, but similar. Something so basic. The thing about using specific labels is it's challenging. And it challenges the mind to become more sharp. In the beginning it might be okay to say this, this, or that, that. But it would become very numbing, I think. And rather than have the effect of sharpening the mind, it would dull or, or make the mind complacent and lazy. So finding a fairly specific uh, note is an important part of the, cultivating the ability to recognize things as they are. Because if you can recognize things specifically as they are, you have the sharpness to recognize, to, to be present with the experience. Your, your general ability to recognize things is sharper. It's more powerful. There's nothing about the words this, this, or that, that, that bring the mind closer to the experience. You don't cultivate the same clarity. Never had that question before. Congratulations for asking a unique one, I guess. Not a bad question. How do I start practicing Vipassana? Just mm -hmm. put the links Glad to the you link. asked. There's our links. There, the links are all on sirimangalo.org. So that's how you practice in our tradition. There are, of course, many different traditions that have different ideas about different answers to that question. But since you came to me, came to us, here's our answer. It's all free, too. We don't charge for anything in case someone's wondering. I just, you know, I, I don't mean to belabor that point, but I think some people do general, genuinely have that question or wonder. We often get that question, so just to cut that off, just remind. Not to belabor the point, but no, we don't charge for it. Don't worry about that. There's no hidden costs. I notice that I seek the approval of others by pleasing them, so I balance it by becoming grumpy and rude. Should I practice noting pleasing and rude? Hmm. Rather than pleasing, maybe the wanting to please, or the um, yeah, 
worrying if it's worrying about how people feel about you wanting or worrying <laughs> but grumpy and rude grumpy's not always a bad thing though often it is yeah quite often it is sometimes meditators appear grumpy though i think even when they're not actually grumpy rude as far as rude it, it, it would only be no you wouldn't know rude but you would differentiate between dispassion which sometimes appears rude and, and abrupt and actual disliking anger aversion frustration try and note those those are what's real and it's good that you notice these things and it's hopefully it's partly well, it should partly be brought about by the practice of mindfulness, so good for you. If you're noticing those things, that's good. Just try and be clear about the actual experience, as opposed to conceptualizing it. Sometimes when I do walking meditation, I start walking faster and I think I'm not so mindful anymore. Should I slow down? Yes. I mean, it, it should generally be served by, it should generally be accomplished or be, uh, but generally you can just say to yourself, knowing 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 that you're walking fast or feeling if there's a feeling of rushing or haste or need to or excitement or need to move faster that sort of thing and when you do that you should find it slowing down by itself but yeah you can consciously try not to go slow but consciously go more at a normal speed if it feels fast it's probably too fast if it feels slow it's probably too slow Don't move too fast, don't move too slow. Sometimes when I know thoughts about the past, I can panic slightly at the realization that that moment is no longer reality. Could you offer any words to help when this happens? Oh, the panic. Note the panic, that's all. We panic about all sorts of things. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about the relationship. Just focus on the panic. It's not important what you're panicking about. Panic is anxiety. It's physical as well. Panic is a is a, one of these comp, complex ones. So there's part, many parts to it. There's physical aspects, mental aspects. Try and note them individually. Don't lump them all together as having a panic attack or something like that. Focus on the moment. And when you get good at breaking them up, you're, you're able to break the chain and disrupt the pattern, the habit, the cycle, the loop that you get into. It becomes more and more and more intense until you get a, have a panic attack.
When I meditate, I have a feeling of pulsing, like a strobe light. I've been noting feeling, but this has persisted for a while, months, and I'm wondering whether my noting is not good enough. You should note also the liking or disliking of it. If after a while it doesn't go away, just ignore it. It's fine. Eventually your mind's going to get uh, lose interest in it and get less caught up in it. And it'll go away. Nothing's permanent. But by noting, you're you're avoiding any kind of uh, extrapolation of it or extract uh, abstraction of it, making more of it than it is. It's just it is what it is. No matter if it keeps coming back, it's not a problem that it keeps coming back. Just note it. When it goes away, ignore it. And when it goes away, go back to whatever you're doing. If it doesn't go away, then ignore it. After some time. Noting isn't to make things go away, it's to stop things from arising. And those are specific things like reaction, judgment, bias, interpretation. It's to cultivate the habit of just seeing things as they are, not to make things go away. Is it good to note multiple things at once or cycle through things? Like what you see, what you hear, what you feel, what you smell? No, the general rule of thumb is to note one thing. And once you've done that, to go back to a basic object, the, the foot moving or the stomach rising, or if it's not in any of those, then just go back to the body, sitting, walking, standing, lying, whatever. And then if something else distracts you, then note that. If you're not able to go back to the basic object, you can note whatever it is that's distracting you still. But try every time to go back in, in, until the, unless something prevents you. Then note whatever prevents you. While meditating, my mind keeps drifting off my focus and after some time, I have this urge to open my eyes and it becomes difficult to meditate from then onwards. Is this normal for a beginner? Yeah, there's no problem there. It's in the beginning, that's a common thing. Don't worry about it. But try and be patient with it as best you can. And when you do stop, just try again later. But try and focus on those feelings of anxiety, restlessness, wanting to open your eyes, that sort of thing. It's not important whether you are going to open your eyes or stop meditating. It's important that you continue to be mindful. So if you do stop early... Well, it's better if you can keep to your commitment, but that's fine. Just do whatever you can to be mindful. Try again later. Uh, 
one did this one. I'm not sure if it's a follow up. It's not the same person, but uh, related to an earlier question. In my language, the labels usually mean, as for example, seeing now would mean I am seeing in one word and so on for many labels. Is it okay to use such phrases? And didn't the Buddha say that there is no self? Yes, but the Buddha also used the words I and me and mine. And in fact, the Buddha's language, you may not know this, but the Buddha's language was similar in that it also had words that mean I am seeing, I am walking, and so on. And the Buddha encouraged us to use those words. He actually explicitly used those words. Gachami means I am going or I am walking. When you walk, you know I am walking because that's just how gachami, gachami means in one word, I am walking or I am going, literally. Uh, and th So the point is that's not your focus. And in fact, saying I am walking is useful because it pinpoints. It's different from saying you are walking. And there's no problem with that kind of self because it's just a specifier. It's in opposition to another locus, another location, another sphere of experience. So it's just a practical application of grammar as opposed to, it doesn't mean I believe there is a self. I, it's different from saying it is the I that is walking, which would be very wrong. But when you say I am walking, in English we don't because it puts too much emphasis on the I, but when you say I am walking, you're you're specifying it's grammar so in english we don't have to is what i mean it's not it wouldn't be wrong to perhaps say i am walking it would just be unnecessary and therefore it puts some emphasis by nature of using it so we can just say walking walking it's much more proper in english but in other languages it's perfectly proper and right to say whatever it is that means I am walking, because it's just a specifier. Vohara, the Buddha said, it's a figure of speech, it's a way of speech. It's the way people say things. We use the word I, but we know what we're talking about. We know that we don't mean it. We know the limitations of the word. Bhante, this question uh, this question is not about meditation, but just I'm not sure which uh, they're having a hard time connecting to the server and I'm not mm. sure if they mean our website. Sounds like probably or, our server or maybe the Discord server. Or the MedPlus. Or the MedPlus. Um what can they do, Shraddha? Maybe they could send us an email in the Gmail. Yeah, if you can use email, you can send us send the community an email. Someone will help you. Or there's a contact form on the website. Yeah. Someone can help you. There are a lot of helpful people. Uh, 
um, one thing. Going back to some of the other questions. Sure. Pick the good one. Well, pick the ones that are urgent. Urgent is what I mean by good. I'm not judging that some are bad questions. It's just not so urgent, more theoretical. Those are secondary concerns. Triaging, what's most important. Go ahead. I think this may be a little bit more theoretical, not so urgent. So maybe this one. Are there any techniques in meditation or resources geared towards overcoming addictions? Mm -hmm. Addictions, I mean, real, real, what we what society calls an, an actual addiction can be tough. I mean, unfortunately, there is no quick solution. We're not after quick solutions. We're after long-term changes in behavior. Mostly, I would put aside the concern about the addiction and focus more on the basic perspective. So try and first work on your perspective about the addiction. Well, let's not say first, but... Um, look towards overcome. Look towards changing your perspective first, because at the same time, you of course note the addiction when you want something, when you like something. You should note that wanting, wanting, or liking, liking. But what changes first, and what you should focus on trying to change, is your perspective towards it. And it it it's not perhaps changing the perspective in the way people think. It's not about becoming more averse to it or more disgusted by it. It's about actually becoming more neutral towards it, more disinterested, more unaffected by it. So we're, where we're excited by certain things to become less excited. And that only comes by seeing it more clearly. It doesn't come by running away from it, by feeling guilty about it, by being upset about it or frustrated or hating yourself. None of that helps. All of that hurts, in fact. All of that is harmful. So it doesn't mean that you should increase your engagement in the addiction, but you have to understand that you may not be able to stop the addiction right away. And that's not our primary, our, our, our first goal. The first goal is to change the perspective so that we're more neutral, less biased either for or against it, or when you hate yourself, or when you, of course, love the thing you're craving, you're addicted to to try and just see it as experiences or to to be objective about it and let the nature of things come up by themselves rather than have preconceived ideas about it being bad or evil try and see more genuinely what it actually is because of course pleasure isn't pleasure isn't a bad thing and if you feel bad or guilty about enjoying something it's not the pleasure that's a problem it's the liking of it the, the clinging to it that's the problem and they're separate they're different because you can't convince yourself that pleasure is wrong it's unfortunately not it doesn't work that way and when you try to convince yourself that pleasure isn't pleasure it's that's a futile task yeah it's it's awful that pleasure you can't do it but you can teach yourself that it's not is not worth clinging to you can teach yourself that the clinging is problematic. And you can teach yourself that pleasure is meaningless. 
It's not that pleasure isn't pleasure, it's just, well, yeah, so what? You can teach yourself that it's not actual happiness. That doesn't really satisfy. And so there's nothing good about it, really. You can teach yourself that. But you can only teach yourself by being you only teach yourself that by being honest and objective in your approach to things. Can meditation help us to tackle loneliness? Absolutely. I think that's a very important one. Should see you should see results fairly quickly because loneliness is a bit more conceptual than others. It's about perspective. You'll still be alone often, but there's some fairly significant realizations that come about. I mean, there's great peace and happiness that comes from being alone. And so our attachment to, to being alone, to, to not being alone, our attachment to being around people is very, is, is very much related to uh, skewed perspective, not just attachment, clinging to something, to an experience. But we're clinging to the idea that there's something wrong with being alone, that there's something great about being around other people. and So if you're mindful, this all, of course, falls apart because being around people can be quite stressful. Being alone can be quite pleasant and peaceful. doesn't mean you become averse to being around people or crave to be alone, but you become a little more wise in a better perspective about things. I'm unable to choose the path. I feel like there are so many different types of spiritual paths and so many branches of Buddhism to choose from. How do you, do you have any advice on how to pick a practice? So the Buddha gave advice to people in such a position, such a situation, that you should look for a practice that helps you free yourself from greed, anger, and delusion. Do whatever things decrease your greed, your anger, and your delusion, and all the associated, all the similar states to those, or all the all the various. Uh, ways that those things present themselves. So I'd, I mean, I'd recommend our practice, of course, but everyone would do the same. So you'll have to decide for yourself who's worth listening to. Should we view meditation as physical hygiene, such as brushing our teeth and do it every day or X times every day? Yeah, that's a good way of viewing it. 
I think that's a good way of viewing it. We don't realize how every day we build up, we accumulate filth, not just in the body but in the mind. So the filth in the body has to be cleansed. The same thing happens in the mind. Filth. Every day, all day. So cleaning it once a day, twice a day. And of course, keeping ourselves clean. That's what mindfulness in daily life means. When you're mindful throughout your day, applying the practice outside of formal practice, you're keeping yourself clean. Mental hygiene. I mean that's not a un that's not a new perspective, a novel perspective. Others have talked about this sort of thing, but that's a good phrase to coin. Mental hygiene. Has anyone used that before? I don't know if I've heard that. Probably. Mental hygiene. And look that up. Somebody look that up. It's gotta be someone's used it or many people have used it. Oh yeah, yeah Mental hygiene is a whole thing Not something I've used very much Probably start using it more now I mean the term, the terminology My friend's approach with their mental woes, and after initially having compassion, I try to help them by recommending mindfulness. However, they often don't listen. Should I give up and focus on myself? Yes. Don't try bother with people who don't listen. It doesn't benefit, as you can see. It doesn't benefit either of you. Focus on yourself. Be open. Leave the door open, and be happy to suggest things, but... You're better off suggesting when people ask or seem interested than wanting or trying to yeah I mean you're being approached so yeah recommending mindfulness is I think a proper response but you see it's more about your expectations so don't be discouraged when people don't listen. It doesn't mean it's wrong what you said. That's the thing is we seek um we seek validation, affirmation from others. We want people to reaffirm that we're right and good. And it's not always gonna happen. Sometimes you say the right thing and people are just it just falls flat. Happened with the Buddha often. He would say the perfect thing and his audience would be like, mm. They don't like that. They would shake their heads or look down. One one example is where the Buddha, oh, it was a wonderful teaching and it was so powerful. But his audience was a bunch of naked ascetics and they just, the text says they just looked down, kind of averted their eyes. You know how people do that. They didn't want, didn't want to hear it. And the Buddha just said, you know, you guys are, you guys are overwhelmed by Mara. There's no, there's no helping these people. I think one of them was moved by it or something. So, so you, 
in that in that case, you know, don't give up suggesting things when people come to you. But it really it it touches people and it moves people when you're not invested in their answer. Because it's it's unpleasant to feel like people are expecting something from you. So when you're expecting them to like what you have to say, it can actually be off-putting. Try and be equanimous when offering help. It's, easy. it's hard not to get excited when you know it's so good, but try your best to stay mindful and objective and suggest rather than encourage or push, pull. Ultimately, just be at peace with yourself. It doesn't matter whether people appreciate what you're doing. What's important is that you know what you're doing and you're sure about. It's easy to be overconfident as well. But that's that's your own journey to, to learn where you're right and where you're wrong. And when someone asks, you say the right thing. Don't say the wrong thing. That's all. It doesn't matter how they react to it. You can't control that. And when you are when you are that equanimous, it really impresses people. Even they might not answer the way, not respond the way you want. It can really affect people. Generally, does really affect people because they're just affected by you rather than your words. How to know whether my noting is progressing or not? Well, the classic answer is to say you have less greed. Over time, you'll notice that you have less greed, less anger, and less delusion. But try not to focus too much on whether it's progressing and focus more on the quality of it. So progress would be the quality of the noting improving, meaning you're more clear. The moment seems more pure, more simple, more peaceful more powerful, more, more, it'll be more good, it'll feel better, it'll be feel more right, more pure, more perfect. Don't worry about the result, because the result of good can only be good. Eventually you have to put aside goals, and you have to focus on quality. Like when you're doing a work, right? Suppose you're building something, you don't have to focus on the the final product. Sometimes it's good to step back and say, okay, is this crooked? Is this straight? Of course. But it's much more about the actual work that you do. And you know that by doing that work, the result is going to be, pro is going to be a success. As long as the work is done properly. Always focus on the work. Happiness will come. Peace will come. Don't ever look and worry about peace coming, happiness coming. Worry about cultivating things that are conducive to peace and happiness and freedom. When you figure out what those are, you never have to worry about whether you're actually gaining peace, happiness, or freedom because you're doing the things that you know for yourself lead to it. That's the challenge.
when feeling joy or happy, should I note by saying joy, happiness? I think you mean joy or happiness. I mean, yes, you should say joy, joy, happy, happy, or happiness. I would say happy might be a little simpler, but it doesn't matter. And of course, if you like it, say liking. It's a common thing to like that. So say liking, liking as well. Would it be wise to go on a five-day silent meditation retreat during the meditation course? I think they if you mean that. our our at-home course, yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't be a problem. That shouldn't be a problem. Just don't push yourself too hard because... You know, I don't know who you are, but if you're a beginner, it can often be problematic if you push too hard because you're not very good at something, right? Doing doing good things, doing practicing mindfulness, there's no limit. You know, do as much as you can. The problem is mindfulness is not synonymous with walking and sitting for hours on end. So if you're just walking and sitting for hours on end, it's possible that you cultivate bad habits, and that can be problematic for your mental health. Which is why we'd normally reserve intensive practice to times when you have a teacher, but five days is not a big deal. And because you're, it's during the course, probably the at-home course, then we'd still be meeting. So, shouldn't be a big deal. Uh, not, not really dangerous or risky or anything. Might be a good, very good experience. I mean, generally, it's not dangerous. There's not. It's not like it's something you should avoid, as be scared of or something. It's just be aware of the potential and try not to go too long without advice or outside perspective when you're a beginner, because it's easy to develop, develop bad habits, and you don't want to do that. I mean, I say most of the time it would be quite helpful to do. How are we doing? There are a few questions that are more about, more personal, I think, for mm. the people asking the questions. So I'll ask them and then you could decide. I always have this feeling that everything I do is temporary and I want to find the path where I can stop my suffering. Would it be a good start to find a nearby monastery to start this journey? Well, unfortunately, not all monasteries are, are very good at offering practices that are conducive to enlightenment. I recommend finding one that teaches meditation and I'd recommend one that teaches mindfulness meditation. Ultimately, I'd recommend one in our tradition, one in the Mahasi Sayadaw tradition. If you can find one of those, go for it all out. But you can also read our booklet, do the at-home course. 
get started that way without ever having to go to a monastery. And if you're really into it, you could eventually come here or go to a or travel to a place once you've completed the at-home course. If I'm a Catholic, can I meditate? Or would it be a sin? I mean, I'm not a Catholic priest, so I don't believe in sin. So I can't answer that for you. I mean, I can. I can say, no, there's no such thing as sin, so don't worry about it. Um, I mean, unless by sin you mean something that is evil. If you mean just quite literally that, then no, meditation isn't evil. doesn't matter whether you're a Catholic or not. Of course, the answer is that meditation is not evil. But whether you mean it's something that goes against God, well, God doesn't exist. So, God, God is just a concept. It's a theory. It's an idea. Even if God were to come down and stand in front of you, you wouldn't exist any more than you exist. Because the thing about existence is that it's limited to experiences. Experiences are what really exist. You don't exist. I don't exist. God doesn't exist. None of these things are real. It's just a perspective, really. You don't have to. Uh, you don't have to really believe what I just said. It's more about approaching reality as reality, because every time you think of God, it's thinking. It's abstraction. If you, if someone says, "I am God," you hear a voice that says, "I am God." It's still just hearing. The only God there is your interpretation of it. Oh, that's God. Or, oh, that's somebody pretending to be God. Or, oh, that's a monk that's mocking my religion. <laughs> you know, that's, all, that's all mental. What's real is the experience of hearing. Sorry, I'm not really mocking your religion. I hope it didn't come across like that. It's more self-deprecating than anything. Not, I understand that many people believe in God. It's just... Kind of, we're kind of funny as Buddhists. We look at things a little differently. I guess the worry is that does it go against my religion to meditate? I can't answer that for you. You'll have to talk to a priest about it if you're concerned about that. Sorry, I can't answer. I'm not a Catholic priest. I'm also not God, though it may surprise, no, to the surprise of no one, I am not God, and so I don't have his answers or, or their answers. There are a lot of other questions that are no, not no. about meditation, but it's possible, so yeah. maybe they could ask next time. You can try asking next time, and if there's a lull, we might answer. But you could also come to the study group and talk about it there. If you want to join that, you have to get on our Discord server. There should be information on the website. Thank you all for coming. It was good, productive. 79 people. We had a lot of people today. That's great. Maybe more. How many? What was our? How many people watching? Lots of people watching. Thank you all for coming. 
I wish you all peace, happiness, and freedom from suffering. Be well. Sadhu.